Trigger warning. If your faith is bound up in sexual organs, then your faith is about to be exposed. Y'all heard what she said? She said it. She meant it. She'll say it again. Oh, no, uh. I'll say it again. Um, but to celebrate Women's History Month, we want to demystify and debunk kind of this myth of women in ministry. Yes, because um, women in ministry are not a myth. They are real. They, in fact, exist. So stick around. We are going to uh, have a great conversation about uh, women in the church. You're listening to the Nick Smith Podcast. Connecting you to living truth. If you'd like to support our podcast, rate us on iTunes. Or join our inner circle through Patreon.com. And don't forget to share this on social media so that all of your friends and family can know what you're listening to. We are your hosts, Nick Smith. And Kylie Jo Smith. And welcome to this episode, Women in the Church. (laughs) I had to make sure it was up there. (laughs) In my mind, I was like, oh no. Oh no, did I forget? <laughs> if I, I reference forgot. it and it's blank, that would be ridiculous. <laughs> It'd be like a little green screen. We'd have to add it in. Um, we want to say what's up to our inner circle first. What's up, y'all? How you doing? Uh, have a cup of coffee with us. All right. Glad to see you. You got that little uh, uh, video of Becca Joe um, oh pranking me, which was hilarious. She's, so uh, she's hopefully you enjoyed kid. that. If you want to know what that's about, join our inner circle. Because yes. we got good stuff on there sometimes. Awesome. All right. So we've talked before about women... We've talked about gender. We've talked about sexuality. We've mm-hmm. talked, like, we've touched on some of these topics. And it's kind of the season where we need to just say it. Just don't say spray it. it. Just say it. Mama not, wait, that's not right. <laughs> don't break took, it. Took your Shake mama it, don't break nine it. Nine months to anyway, pay it. No, that's, that doesn't make sense. Going back, <laughs> um, we really just want to be, I guess, more candid. We mm-hmm. want to talk more openly about this. And this is a great time because it is Women's History Month. That's and just right. like during Black History Month, is the only time we talk about <laughs> racial issues. This is the only time we actually give women credence. Uh, we don't have sarcasm, Mark, but I believe Kylie Jones. I believe sarcastic. that was sarcasm. <laughs> so yeah, so let's start let's us out. Jump on I mean, into you're the man. I don't. Yes. I'm not saying he has to lead, <laughs> but I'm. I guess kind of in a way, I'm letting him lead. I don't know how. However, you want to look at it, it depends on what what ism, ism. you fall into. Ist ismist. Uh, so let's let's talk about a couple of the different schools of thought real quick. Um, so you've got people who are complementarians, uh, you have people who are egalitarians and, uh, people who are like traditionalists. But, um, before we get into all that, I just want to say we are not trying to start a divide of who's saved and who's not. That's not what this is about. We're not being like, Oh, if you believe this, you're going to hell. Um, because salvation comes through Christ and through Christ alone and not about, uh, your views on who's preaching. So this is kind of like us talking. Um, Oh, Hey, microphone tried to get away from me. Devil was like, I don't want nobody knowing the truth. <laughs> Hang tight, y'all. If you're just listening to the podcast, I'm fixing the mic. Um, <laughs> it's over really here now. Moved. There we go. <laughs> it's, it's almost there. Sound we're almost design Hang, hang tight. Right we're, here. We're almost in. All live. right. Not really live. We're good. In real time. <laughs> so this is an issue of salvation, but more of understanding doctrine and um, mm. difference, differences in doctrine. And so right. we're not using our platform to, to bash other believers. We love uh, all sorts of interdenominational ism is stuff. We like um, working together with other churches and other church groups. And so it's not about that. We're just wanting to, to go into our views and our understanding from scripture of what Jesus calls us to as a church and how we honor both men and women in ministry. Yeah. And this, this does present itself in some 
circles as like almost a salvation issue. Like you said, it's almost like, well, if you believe this is okay, then you're not really saved. You're listening and, to the wrong gospel. And I think we can easily go down that road. I mean, we yeah. can make anything a salvation issue. Oh, you don't believe that you should um, take communion by intinction? Well, then you don't believe this part of the Bible. And then you don't, you don't believe in baptism like, by submersion. All Uh-oh. of these things we can, we can easily devolve into us trying to figure out who baptism or excuse me, who salvation comes from. That's right. And that's not what this is about. This really is. I, I look at this as like a meteor conversation. Like there's some conversations you have, you know, when you bring those new believers in and they're at that, like how to be a part of the church 101 class. They're, they're at that, that new Sunday believers class and they're coming in. You're not going to bring this issue to the table that first meeting. Like, okay, shouldn't. everybody, all you women, listen up. Don't even <laughs> think you're going to get behind this pulpit. Don't so, even imagine yourself preaching the word of God in this house. Like, I thought you were saying meteor as in a uh, rock falling from the sky. <laughs> and it took me a second to realize you meant meaty. Meaty. Like versus more milk. meat. Yeah. It's not the milk that you bring yes. for those new believers. It's a this meteor. is the meat, the meatier portion to the meal. There we go. Um, shared among believers that, I mean, really, I think this is something you discuss with more mature believers, maturing yeah. believers, and especially those who find themselves, they feel called into ministry. They're like, you know what? I've, God's really been showing me this. And especially women who come to the pastor or the preacher who may be more complementarian than, than she mm-hmm. is. And they may say, Pastor, I, I, I've got a word from the Lord, and I really believe that God's telling me that this is my calling. So then how do you engage with your church leaders or your church brothers and sisters in the local church to say, okay, I, I really believe this is what God's calling me to, but I don't know how to stand on that because what I'm being told is yeah. this is wrong. Yeah, well, let's, let's go over the two main kind of camps because there's like the traditionalist camp, which I think everybody's kind of aware of, which is like, um, the men rule everything. Women have very low status, very low authority. Mm. Um, only, I mean, complete, almost complete subservient mm-hmm. to um, the the male leadership. Okay. Um, but then you have complementarianism, which complementarianism, complementarianism. <laughs> I have to slow it down per syllable. Um, it's more about men and women being equal, but different. So like separate but equal. Se- wasn't there a court case? I'm just saying. About, didn't the United States say that was very familiar? A thing, um, but it is. It is very much separate but equal. Like you're both equally called to separate callings. Mm-hmm. So your mm-hmm. calling to teach doesn't manifest as a woman the same way my calling to teach would manifest as a man. And so it's. Um, but our gifts complement each other, and so we complete God's calling on the church in our ministry together. So that's kind of the the viewpoint of complementarianism. Again, very, you know, 100-mile viewpoint. And a lot of times we see this played out in um, family roles. Like complementarianism is more, like a lot of times people think of it as like, oh, well, the husband should lead and the wife should stay home. Like the husband goes to work, the wife stays home and raises the children. But it also can apply to church ministry and leadership. Well, yeah, and there's all, there are like divisions among complementarians. So like some are like, oh, wow. Yes, like the man leads in everything, uh, so much so that like women in I've heard of relationships. If you're one of these, you may like have more to add, but I've heard of relationships where like the the wife has to ask permission for certain things within the house, um, or the wife uh, completely like relegates all decision making to the husband. Um, mm-hmm. Which for some people that could sound like 
complete hell. And for other people, that's like, wait, I get a break from making choices? <laughs> I don't have to do nothing? Yeah, go ahead. Figure it out. Just tell me what to do. Um, I'll show up, do my nine to five. I'll clock in, clock out. <laughs> but so that's like one extreme. But then you can have people that believe um, the male headship piece only applies to um, church. Like, okay, the man just has to be the lead pastor. As long as the headship, as long as the covering is male, then everything else um, can can work out. And then you also, I mean, you have some that will go the extreme of like all men are meant to be head over any other woman. Like, mm. I mean, you see this in, I've been to churches before where like yeah. if men are speaking, the women aren't supposed to be engaging or like walking into that situation. Mm. And it's like, you're not their daddy. Like, who are you? Don't hush your mouth. Why? Um, so that's just like some different different dynamics of complementarianism. And again, they, they divvy up. I think one article I read said they've um, identified like seven different ways complementarianism wow. like shows up in different styles of church. Okay. So like it's, it's a spectrum. It's mm -hmm. not just like a mm. either or type deal. Um, okay. Okay. And then you have egalitarian. So egalitarian comes from the, the word eagle to mean fly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> This is the flyest way to look at a it's relationship. Dope. You know what I mean? It's up so there. So fly. Like you want to be super fly? Eagle. Egalitarianism. Egalitarians. <laughs> um. So they only eat eagles, actually. That's what it's about. We consume the flesh of the eagle. Uh, that's how you become one. It's like a club. Oh. Uh, no. Egalitarian, it's, it's about equality. It's basically meaning men and women. Um, there is no difference. God didn't call men and women in uh, respect to their like sexual organs. It wasn't like, what you got under there? Okay, teacher. What do you got? Okay, preschool. <laughs> Only a deacon. <laughs> no more got? than a deacon. Piano player. Yep, definitely piano player. Sunday school teacher. Exactly. That's what you are. So the egalitarians believe that that division of labor in the church is um, null and void because Christ is the head. So we don't worry about headship. I, I consider myself an egalitarian. We don't truly worry about headship um, being male or female because Christ is the head. And then we are just like working under his headship. Mm, so, okay, there we go. Putting that out there. Ooh, so, little, I mean, lesson for y'all. We could talk about all that. And I'm sure there's probably a spectrum of egalit egalitarianism as well. Because I can see, some, honestly, there's some things with complementarianism that I'm like, yes, I agree with like the principle of why this works. And, mm -hmm. and I've seen it at work well, like yeah. done well in church and in families. And then there are some things about egalitarianism. Who said that? <laughs> Who came in the studio and said that wrong? It's egalitarianism. Uh, whoever it was, they need to get it together. I don't um, know. I don't know who that is. There's things about that that I prefer, mm -hmm. um, and I, I have enjoyed seeing it at work in our own marriage and in our family. And even like I was kind of interviewing our son Isaiah <clears throat> before this, and I was like, "Hey, we're we're talking today about women in ministry." He was like, "Uh huh." He probably could care less what we're talking about, but I just thought he I was trying to find out if he can watch TV. He was. That's he why was, he was in here. He was really only listening because he was waiting to ask me the question. But I was like, well, captive audience here. There, there and so go. I was like, do you know, like, are women allowed to be in ministry? And at first he was like, no. And I said, you think that you think that women it's a it's like against the rules or against the law for women to be in ministry? No, like <laughs> he's kind of like I don't know what. Answer what do you want from me? For. I said, well, but I want to know what you think. I I really want to know what your thoughts on this are. And he he arrived at like, oh no, women can be in ministry. And then we talked about, have you ever seen any women preaching? And Daddy was helping him out over here. He Only like, at the end, because like, at first he was like, 
my Sunday school teacher. Yeah, he's like, my <laughs> Sunday school teacher was kind of like a pastor, yeah. which is an interesting take from a child. So if you tell a child, hey, women can't be pastors, and they're looking at their Sunday school teacher like, but she's kind of she's like kind of the pastor of my my class. So yeah. anyway, so yeah, that was that was interesting. So yeah. like, I think that our son obviously has a tainted view or a directed view because of his life experience and the exposure that we've we've um, provided of women and men, both in ministry. Um, but like, we didn't grow up with that. At least no. I know I didn't. Um, so like to tell, tell our viewers and our listeners, <laughs> um, what are some of the experiences you had about women in ministry? Uh, well, <clears throat> I, I remember always seeing men as the pastor, like, are there any church we went to? My, um, uh, my grandmother was Nazarene. And so she like, go to church it was a male pastor but she was a sunday school teacher which and nazarenes so, have always affirmed women in ministry yeah so. but i mean just i guess the types of churches she went to were usually older it was mm-hmm. a more traditional i guess older congregation mm-hmm. with disrespect but that's what it was and um like most of the time it was a male pastor mm-hmm. um, i went to church with my friends sometimes and their pastors were male and mm-hmm. And I guess because of the way I was formed in that, like not having kind of a home church until I was in middle school, um, I just always thought that's how it was supposed to be. Yeah. And also really the culture we live in, men typically are the ones who are in charge. Like that's just the way that uh, American culture has been. I mean, it's the patriarchy, the patriarchy. So <laughs> like it's um, it's just natural that I would grow up with that understanding. And mm-hmm. so then when I became um, like more familiar with different types of ministry and I learned like I've met female pastors and I was always like what like it wasn't weird like I wasn't grossed out or um rude to them but I'd be like interesting like way to go like you're going into like male territory good for you and then I would wonder like how does that work like because when you know, it's so funny it's like like you're talking to someone who's like in an alternate lifestyle like, yeah like, you really viewed really? it like, like wow like huh. so what does your husband think so of this which one of you prays <laughs> or like, which, like, honestly, for me, it was like, well, wait, if she's the pastor, she's going to work as the pastor, right? So like, does her husband stay home with the kids? The same way I felt about the first time I like really knew that there were female doctors. Like the, I, I'd encountered them before, but my mom has worked for our family doctor for a long time. Mm-hmm. She is a woman. Her, her twin sister is a woman. They're both family doctors. Mm-hmm. But it was this thing of like, huh, wow, like revolutionary good on you um, good on you but then when i became an adult and it was like hey kylie joe like the lord is doing something in you and i, I really i have people were speaking over me like god wants you to declare his righteousness and preach his gospel and i was like hold on wait what God wants me to preach like no mm-hmm. like who oh, no pastor this is a male pastor telling me this like mm-hmm. no 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 i'm not breaking that rule yeah. god's number one rule then first <laughs> no but like in my mind, it was like, no, I can't, I can't get behind the pulpit. Like that's a man's position. Yeah. And I honestly, there were times where I'd be like, don't like for a woman to preach at me. I'd be like, come on, girl, please sit down and let him do it. Wow. Yeah. Which was very like closed minded, very not scriptural mm-hmm. of me to say and to have that heart position. So I could say maybe, oh, well, I was more, more complimentarian. No, I wasn't. I was being very. Um, sexist in my understanding Mm -hmm. based on a limited exposure to what gospel ministry should look like in community. Yeah. I I would say that my, my rearing, even though I was raised primarily egalitarian in the, the, um, the home, 
right? Because my mom pretty much ruled the roost. Um, but my mom taught us as, because she had all boys, she taught us that, that men and women um, both had to do everything. Like you need to mm-hmm. learn how to cook, clean, sew, all that stuff as a young man because you shouldn't have to depend on someone else. And when you come to the table in a relationship, there should be equality there. And so I was raised with that mindset. Um, when it came to church, I still had the understanding of like, like for some reason men should still like, you have to be in charge. If you're the man, you have to be in charge. And so that, that came across as more of a responsibility mm-hmm. of like, which I think there is a calling on men to lead. And I'm not like doubt it or I'm playing that down at all. But it felt to me as a kid because of my lack of understanding of scripture, because I didn't have biblical knowledge mm-hmm. um, that when I came to scripture, I only knew like the two verses that were like, women should be silent. I don't permit women to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and you take those at face value without actually thinking about them because um, I'd be like, oh, yeah, so women shouldn't be the preacher. And like whenever a woman would speak, I would have the same thought unless they were famous because my mom would listen to like a <laughs> Joyce Myers, Myers. Right. And so mm-hmm. I would listen. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's really good. Good teaching. Mm-hmm. Um but then I wouldn't even think about the, the passages of like, oh, but women can't be preachers. Women, wait a second. And then if you really think about like women, I, I do not permit a woman to teach a man. So Sunday school's out. So you can't, you can't ever speak anything that informs a man of anything mm. because that's teaching in the church. Well, and, and I would say in some, on one part of that spectrum, I'm sure that is a view that gets promoted is like well yeah, yeah no you you can't like when men are speaking shh, well even one. if even if men aren't speaking <clears throat> and then there's the idea of like um women should be silent but you gonna let them sing solos that's a tough one you gonna let them pray that's a tough one you don't like how what do you mean women but you have to know the scripture in order to to fully challenge yeah. that in a proper light to know mm-hmm. the context because if you don't know context people can use any scripture out of context and yeah. and try to to sway you one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to know you person listening, person watching, <laughs> you need to know um, what it means mm-hmm. to, to follow the Lord from his word, not just from yeah. what people around you have said. Yeah. And under the guidance of people who are out for your good, mm-hmm. um, which takes discernment, you have to know if somebody is out for your good versus just trying to limit the amount of leadership that you can exercise. Mm. Um, Come on, that's a word. And you know, I will say like, a lot of this, like talking about women in the church, there's a lot of like hurt feelings and there's, mm-hmm. there is baggage and there's damage that has been done. Like women in ministry have been abused. There have been yeah. times where like, um, like there are some of the, some of the ways that we limit or hinder women comes from, might come from a good place, like the best intentions. Like I want to guard this woman's heart. I want to protect as the weaker vessel. We need to protect her. Right. Like those, like we, we think well of women and we honor them and it's like, well, by honoring you, I'm keeping you from the pressures and the, you know, the strain that this is going to take on your marriage and your relationship. So I try to guard you from this, but in doing this, there's a little bit of like almost infantilizing women. Like Mm -hmm. you can't handle this, honey. Like you're just too emotional, like too delicate. Just, oh my gosh. Little feelings. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do if like somebody yells at you? (laughs) Like, what do you think your husband's going to have to do if somebody like, threatens you and like yes those are things that we should be prepared for Mm -hmm. like how do you handle um if a situation gets too close to home like that should be something on our radar for anyone anyone male or female because what about a man who's who a woman comes to him a male pastor a woman comes to him she's on the brink of like divorcing her husband but she's going to her male pastor for guidance and she's broken and she's weak and she's vulnerable yep 
How do we it know happens. there's not something happening there that could not end well? Well, so. and I think so part of um, just culturally, like women are the uh, are charged with being the virtue keepers of a culture. Mm. Like in our westernized society, like men can do whatever they want. But as long as the women are virtuous, then our society is virtuous mm. because the women represent home. And so wow. uh, whatever the men go off and do, you know, men roam and forage and all this stuff. Or, but as long as home is virtuous. So like women are charged with that. Mm. And, and the thing that signifies virtue is a uh, lack of sexuality, lack of really lack of flaw. And so, uh, I mean, my personal opinion is that goes all the way back to like um, temple uh, mm-hmm. temple priestesses where mm-hmm. they had to be virginal and they had to, they represented the, the sacred and the holy by being completely virginal and never engaging in any sort of relationship that would seem to taint them. Mm. Um, so, so women are charged with that. Um, and then when you see men who are in ministry and they fall uh, prey to sexuality um, issues, whether it be adultery or, um, pornography. What, pornography, whatever those, those issues may be, um, we automatically think like, well, if a woman's in that position and she does that, what does that say about the state of the virtue of the church? Mm. And there's so much more weight that's placed on the woman in that, in that position. Wow. Whereas if a man falls, it's like, well, yeah, he's a dude, you know, that's going to well, happen. And honestly, this, uh, this is not related entirely, but something we were talking about recently was, look, I'm holding my cup. Why am I? <laughs> Sorry, product placement. We get it. No, but like, why am I throwing up gang signs while I'm holding? Anyway, um, we were talking about teachers, and mm-hmm. um, that um, we were talking about how when a female teacher, like in like a public school setting, mm-hmm. you may know there's a famous case where a woman actually like um, seduced her student, and like they fell in love and got had married, kids, had kids, all this, all stuff. this stuff. She went to prison. Is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But in that case, it was like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe this woman did this to this young boy now granted yeah it takes two to tango but um she's the adult right mm-hmm. and so taking all that into consideration we had like national outrage over this case yeah, it was it was a scandal yet looking at a male teacher like a male college professor um taking his young student youth freshman pastor. student mm-hmm. a youth pastor mm-hmm. you know under now. the covering of blessing or under the covering of whatever you want to call it um pursuing a younger student because it is a student mm-hmm. in their care not as much of an issue and actually i reading the book um redeeming love and talking through it with younger people that is a question that comes up wait a minute so he's so much older than her why is it okay mm-hmm. i'm like oh well and again that's a depending on what time period you're reading there's a cultural understanding yes. there yes but i think where you're going with that is um is so pivotal and and key to the conversation like the, the female, um, the pressures on being a woman in our culture and having to live in that double standard. And that it, it, it is reflected in the church. And I remember talking about like ghosts in the church. Um, there was, mm. was it an article you read? Yeah, it was an article. It was an article by a man about his, like a, a woman in ministry with him. Yeah. And so like men, men carry around these um, boundaries for women for the man's protection, but then they charge the women with carrying those responsibilities. So yeah. it's, um, I remember experiencing it when you were breastfeeding our children. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, can you feed your child somewhere else? Because there are men in the room. Well, and uh, not just that it was, there are men in the room who, you know, maybe have struggled with, you know, looking too much. Mm-hmm. And so then it was like, wait, but so why is my feeding of my child, 
um, an issue? Like, why do I have to protect them from me feeding my child? Like, why, yeah. did, why does this become my burden? And I had a friend who was in um, on a worship team because she was wearing, I can't remember if it was like the pants were too tight or the way the pants looked on her um, to a certain person. They were like, you can't wear those. Come on, bro. Um, because it might tempt the men in the congregation. So again. So on one hand, I would be super flattered if someone was like, hey, listen. I look good. Oh, but too good. Okay. <laughs> listen, um, the rear end is looking right. So right, you can't sing on so the right, worship. So right, it's a distraction. Wait, what? And, Hold on. And like, no, like I know this person. This was not a matter of like she wasn't she wasn't dressing. She wasn't to in booty impress. shorts up there. No, and she wasn't trying to entice. This was just I, I like these pants. I'm wearing this, and it was like wear the t shirt. Very like normal, looking dress. good on a Sunday morning. But for that one person, it was like ah no, like I'm really concerned. <laughs> You're and attractive so- to me, and therefore you cannot stand in front of me. Because right. then I'll lust and it's your fault. Right. But yet so, we will allow that. a really good looking, like, swole pastor. I mean, don't pastor, talk about me like I'm right. You know, I'm right here. To get anyway. up in front of a group of <laughs> hormonal teenagers and play up the charisma and, and yeah. you know, smile and sing about Jesus real pretty like. And, the, and we don't see how there's a double standard. We don't see how like, well, but if a woman does it. Hold on now. Let me, let me tell you what you can't wear. Jezebel. Let me tell you what you, you shouldn't say too much. Come on now. And you know, oh, too much makeup. And you know, I, I need you to have more of a plain, like downplay well, it. And Your beauty of, should be found in the Lord. One of the things that gets me about people trying to um, limit women's access mm-hmm. to just looking good in general is um, Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, cut your eye out. No, no. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, you need to tell the other person, be careful what they put in front of your eye. <laughs> He said, gouge your eyeball out of your head. Oh, you got a problem looking over there? They were like, Jesus, what if somebody comes by and they're and they're just look good and I'm married and they're walking by looking all good? Okay, cool. Cut your eye out. Wait, what? So but so sorry, we're getting a little off topic, but the whole point of that is the double standard. And like yeah. women in church, in in ministry, um, sexuality is a part of the limiting of yeah. their access to, to authority positions to, mm-hmm. um, position. I'm not gonna say positions of power cause it shouldn't be a power thing. Right. But authority and, and leadership and leadership and influence. Ex- uh, influence mm. is a big one. There it is. Um, and I think going with that, like there's, there's this fear, um, of sexuality creeping into leadership because women are weak and we're vulnerable and that's how we're seen. We're, we are the weaker vessel is what, uh, the scripture that's often used to justify this. Though but that's I, about marriage. Continue. I think that this fear of women leading is a, is a mixture of like you take Eve who, you know, enticed her husband with the fruit. You take Delilah who, you know, found out what Samson's weakness was. And Mm -hmm. then you take Jezebel who used her influence over the King to like ravage the nation with idolatry. You mix all of that up into woman. Like that's just woman. Mm. And there's this like super vixen who is just going to ruin the church Yeah, and who is ultimately being led by the devil. Like that's, I think there's, uh, it might sound cartoonish, but there's times where I'm like, wow, like it seems like there's a lot of fear that Eve, Delilah and Jezebel are just going to run this piece. Yeah. And it's not, yeah. that's not always the case. There are certain times. I mean, there I've known men who behaved like Jezebel. Well, and honestly, those stories have less to do with the woman's uh, corruption and more to do with the weakness of the man in the oh. situation. Adam's preacher, Adam's inability to lead. What was Adam's sin? 
in Tell, his preach it. Uh, passivity, passivity, not passivity. I don't know. Pacifica. I don't know what I was trying to say. Passivity. Um, his inability to, to protect and to lead and to stand mm-hmm. firm on the word that he knew was true. Mm-hmm. You have Ahab who allowed his wife to, to run. do all to run the country. He basically gave mm-hmm. her the seal and was like, Hey, I'm King, but you know what? I don't feel like doing this. Then you had Samson. Uh, Samson who didn't want to participate in holiness. And so all of these stories though, um, these characters, these caricatures, of evil vixens um, are very present and prominent and they didn't do anything right by any means. Um, I mean, Eve did a lot right, but the other ones didn't really do anything right. The, the true like calling and the true like aim of scripture is to identify where a man fell short in his responsibility. Mm. And so, and it's not because of the other person. Come on. It's more of this other person also fell into sin because mm-hmm. the the person who was called to lead in that situation didn't lead. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, like the problem of women in ministry and you ain't gonna like this if you're a complementarian and Uh-oh. that's okay. It's Uh-oh. okay. We love you still. We're gonna be love. in heaven together. We're gonna chill. We can be argue all right. about this in heaven. It's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be women preaching up there and you're gonna and be like, oh shoot, dang. But they can't do that, Jesus. And Jesus is like, get out of my face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think the true problem with women in, in leadership in the church is about leadership. It's not mm. about scriptural, um, uh, scriptural foundations for a lot of people. Mm. Um, there are those that find scriptural basis for their feelings of complementarianism and for those, Hey, whatever, it's all good. Um, but I think we limit the power of women because we see the position of pastor as a power position come on and so it is like being a pastor you're a leader you're in charge you're the boss you're the king give us a king and yeah exactly and we don't want women in that position in our culture Mm. and that's that's clearly in my opinion that's how i see this manifest um but that's first off that's looking at the position of pastor all wrong Mm. because as a pastor you're not called to be king like as a pastor you're a shepherd like you're called to teach and to mend the broken and to Mm -hmm. If anything, pastor is servant. Like, if we truly looked at pastoral leadership as servant of all, wow. Well, I, I would, I would dare to say we would relegate it to an only female position. I, I, it'd be like, yeah, men can't do that because men need to be apostles. We're supposed to be out there spreading the gospel. Women, you can stay and take care of the flock if you want. Like y'all, wow. stay back and manage. Um, but I do see that position. Uh, positional authority as one of the root causes of Mm -hmm. excluding women from the pulpit. Yeah. Well, and we, we look at this pulpit and we're like, we we attach so much to it. Like the the place and and even like, or a microphone, maybe you don't have a pulpit in your church. Maybe it's just a microphone. Um, And our problem isn't really rooted in who it is. It's in the pulpit. Yeah. It is in the power that we give the pulpit and that position and that who's holding the mic. And I remember we had um, a discussion uh, kind of a heated discussion amongst different churches in a community we were serving where, um, and now it had, didn't have to do with, um, why well, it may have had to do with gender. I don't know, mm-hmm. but we were supposed to be leading worship for this event and we were asked not to. <clears throat> Some reasons were given. They didn't really make sense. I didn't believe that those were truly the reasons. So we kind of like pressed a little bit more. And eventually the question got asked of like, well, does it really matter so much who is holding a microphone? Right. In this, in this particular church, in the, in the congregation we were supposed to be, um, like in the building rather where this was going to be held yeah. in this building where this church meets, does it really matter that much who is holding the microphone? The answer and is if yes. so, what really has the power? Yeah. And um, because the, remember the microphone, the pulpit, whatever you want to call it is only to amplify the voice of the person speaking. Come on. And, um, but the one who actually inspires the voice 
is the Holy Spirit. And there we go. who are we to tell the Holy Spirit, no, it couldn't possibly be that voice that you want to use. It couldn't possibly. No, no, no. Because see, that voice is attached to a female body. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know here in, in the Bible, Lord, I know you specifically said only the male body can be able to make this kind of noise right. in this space. And so like, I think that giving the pastor so much power and even saying like, well, it's the pastor who has to pray and teach and heal and bless and plan everything. And mm-hmm. like all of these things we have given as like part of the job description for pastor, there's no way one person should be responsible for it all. You're one. not supposed to. That's and, not the call. And one person, like one gender can do all of these things. You have administrative gifts. You have um, gifts of hospitality. You have gifts of like, what are all the gifts in the Bible? There's a bunch. There's Read a bunch them. of them. They're in the thing. Gifts, Look and, it and, up. And you can't have one person who is monopolizing all of those things. Yes. Well, and that's just the common structure of the church in the Western culture. That's an issue. But, but I'm not saying just like I'm trying to undercut what you just said. Right. I think what you said is, is straight on point to the topic. Um, if you know somebody, sorry, side note, if you know somebody that needs to hear this, somebody that struggles with understanding uh, women's place in ministry, or if you yourself have struggled with this, um, your identity being called into ministry as a woman, please share this. Please let somebody know about uh, the Next With Podcast. We'd really appreciate it, so yes. do that. Yes. Um, we need to wrap up, but we're going to talk more about this with our inner circle. So we're just going to kind of rush through, um, not rush through, but we're going to give you kind of an overview of kind of what Scripture says about women in ministry and our understanding. So. Um, Part of it is that women have al- always been a key part of the Judeo-Christian faith. Mm. Women have always, throughout history, throughout scripture, um, throughout experience, have always been key figures in leading um, the ministry of the Holy Spirit here on earth, mm. right? Because that's what the church does, is it participates in the ministry that God is doing here on earth. And so women have always been a part of that. We've had, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, if you go back and look at Old Testament, you can see like the Jewish women. You have the Hudla, the priestess. You have mm, Miriam. Um, Miriam, yeah. Oh, you, Miriam, man, read Miriam's song. Right. I mean, how how are you gonna say that she's not preaching? Preaching no, to that, no word. Come on. Um. Then you've you've got like Deborah. You've got um. You've got like a bunch of uh, people in the Old Testament, and then you've got in the New Testament. You've got uh, Junia. You've got uh, Priscilla. You've got Mary. Lydia. You've got Mary Mother of Jesus. Elizabeth. Yeah. Like when her husband, Zechariah, was struck dumb, Elizabeth was like, I don't know, I'm going to keep preaching. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep bearing this child. I'm going to keep talking about Jesus. Uh, he's coming. He's in my little cousin's belly. Um, <laughs> but you have all of this, this weight of the gospel truth. You have the woman at the well who was Ooh, the first yeah. woman to proclaim, the first person to proclaim mm-hmm. Jesus as Messiah to others, which if, what's the gospel? What are you doing when you're preaching on Sunday morning? Right? She went into town said, hey, come meet the Messiah. Come and see this man who told me everything about myself. This man, and, and what did they do? Oh, we can't listen to her. She's a woman. They're like, were you? Let's go check it out. They're like, Samaritan? <laughs> okay. Let's go see. What okay, Samaritan. Like. That's what they said. And so, like, and even when Jesus, like, confirmed, or, um, yeah, confirmed the faith of the, the Syrophoenician woman. Mm-hmm. Like, she came and was like, hey, even dogs get scraps. Come and he's on. like, nowhere in Israel have oh, I, I see, ever, yep, have I, I seen this faith. Faith. He didn't say nowhere among women have I seen this faith. Although there's a lot of men who have way more faith than this girl. I mean, she's just a woman. She's a woman. Come on, guys. Look at her. Look at her. She's wearing a dress for the for my sake. (laughs) Get it? Because the Lord's sake. Anyway, um, but he says no. Like nowhere in Israel have I seen this. 
yet this woman from another culture. Right. And like, there's also instances where you do see, like, I love where Jesus says to his mother, like, woman, my time has not yet come. Mm Mm-hmm. And where he also says like Martha, Martha. but then he still listens to his mother. And he that. does. Yeah. But there's also like, there are those times where, and, and even like we see women in scripture, like, listen, y'all cut it out. Just let, listen up. Mm-hmm. We see women taking the lead. We see men taking the lead. We see this, like, I don't know, almost like synergistic relationship yeah. between men and women. Um, and we also, one of my favorite things about the Proverbs is how wisdom is personified. As I a love, dude, as I a big love, burly man who's a hunter, a I gatherer. love the literary device that's used in no. scripture. I love how beautiful and poetic that is. That women is personified at, or women, wisdom is personified as a woman crying out in the streets. Yeah, and how um, now so is folly, but yes, yes, it's true. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But, but you're one hundred percent right. There's truth to to this in in ministry as well. Yeah. You've, we've all known of men and women who have got up and like sit down. You should not be preaching right now. This is not please, a word from the Lord. I don't know talking. who there's a word from. It is not for me or anybody like else. Checking your watch. Like um, I got stuff to do. Can you right. stop, please? But there's also those, you see those men and women who it's like, wow, when they finally get up to speak, you're like, that's what they've been keeping in. Yeah. And so we have to know there's, there's so much discernment that's needed. There's also, um, I really believe we need to stop limiting um, or try, seeking to limit, but we should be equipping and strengthening people to have humility come on now that's I think so the, good. like humility so good. takes strength it takes like we got to practice it we have to practice being willing to sit down and listen before we get up and speak mm-hmm. we have to show people what that looks like men and women need to learn this and we need to show them with grace and compassion not saying um <laughs> honey they're there no sweetie oh you're so pretty you know One why, why don't learn. you try have you thought about children's ministry have you joined the worship team yet when she when you know she has no business being with children she doesn't mm-hmm. have any patience she's not but yeah. we need to practice and show and teach and encourage in humility yeah. how to listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to what God is saying to you, discern through his word, through the living, active, sharpening word. Come on. Is this what God wants me to do? And am I being called? And how is he equipping me? Giving people those tools instead of saying, no, see, it's because of what's down there <laughs> and a little up there that yeah. we can't let you actually hold the microphone in church you can say it in the back to the women Mm. but you can't Mm. if there's men in there and they hear it it's gonna like they they will spontaneously combust and then they're all just gonna go into a lustful rage um you know there's the old uh quote the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world oh it's a good movie too the hand that rocks the cradle it's an (laughs) old movie not really good um but we we will in the christian faith uh at times push women to what we consider lesser work of, hey, just be with the children. Or and, we'll, but at the same time, we'll say it's the greater work. Exactly. But they'll do that, but we'll say women can't lead. Yet women are leading the next generation in the way that they think. And what I want to say is, um, again, scripture, history, Jesus himself validates women in history uh, or in ministry. So, and uh, history. And history. <laughs> you've, got, you've got people that have led the church. You've got um, um, Phoebe Palmer. You've got Susanna Wesley. Mm, you've mm-hmm. got a bunch of people who have, have led the church. You've got mothers and grandmothers and um, aunties and all of these folks who have poured into the church and into the ministry and who have carried the weight of the ministry at times mm-hmm. when, um, when times were rough, you know, yeah. when, when there weren't people to, to stand firm in, in a male perspective, right? You still had women carrying the faith. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know, I just want to say that if you've struggled with that, just look at history. Be like, yeah. let's wait a second. Jesus had a preach. Yeah. 
Jesus said, go tell them, go tell my disciples. Jesus told when them. When he rose from the grave, who were there? Like, who were the people that were there? If you go back and you read that text, and this isn't like, I don't, I don't think we can be simplistic about it and say, oh, Correct. well, Jesus said one woman could do this, so every woman <laughs> should. No, because we don't want to be overly like giving that prophetic authoritarianism to women. We don't mm. want to be in that position. Um, and so I think you have to look at the text for yourself and, and actually start talking about it with those spiritual leaders and, and brothers and sisters in your congregation. Amen. Um, so I think that's it. If you want to hey. be a part of the inner circle, you well, want to go I, deeper I wanna, with this? I want to say, I want to say this specifically from a man because you need my validation. <laughs> uh, happy uh, Women's History Month. And uh, just know if you are called into ministry as a woman, God sees you. God hears you. God is the one that calls. God is the one that perfects. God is the one that gifts. And so um, you're necessary for, yes. the, for the body of Christ, yes. and for the mission. Actually, a little, little shameless self-plug here. Um, there is this amazing uh, piece of work called Seen, S-E-E-N. You need to go on Instagram. You need to follow um, Seen. And it is all about um, these different women in the Bible and how God sees them. Mm. And God sees you. God sees me. Like, and looking at these different women, women that we maybe might say like Bathsheba, who it's like, what? God sees Hagar. her. Hagar. Mm -hmm. Like God sees um, what we're going through and he sees the beauty of our mess mm -hmm. and he wants to perfect us and he wants to make us more like him so that we can be that testimony to the world and show them his greatness. So and good. so check out scene actually April 10th. I'm going to be performing at the trust here in uh, Lancaster. So if you're on the East Coast and you want to come see that, you should. Check it it's out. It'll be awesome. We're going to be uh, singing about the God who sees. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Well, this has been the Nick Smith Podcast. We hope this episode has connected you to living truth. Be, be blessed. blessed. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Nick Smith Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us, and we hope that you'll consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Don't forget to rate and share this podcast. And if you haven't already, follow us on social media. If you want to be a part of our family's mission to entertain, educate, and empower others, please consider becoming one of our Patreon supporters. Exclusive Nick Smith merchandise is available to you through our online store at www.nicksmithpodcast.com.